somehow I can imagine those folks when that song was first sung, they said, Yahshua, you bet you. We've been talking about time. We talk about it. We see it pass. Sometimes it seems to pass so and so very quickly and sometimes it seems to drag, drag, drag. And we've talked about how we are affected by time. We find ourselves conscious of time. God is conscious of time. It doesn't affect Him, but He knows it affects us, and He talks to us that way. It's interesting, so many times you look in the Scripture, and you might be looking for a pass, an excuse, a reason to put it off. Put it off. We can postpone that. But have you noticed how many times the Scripture says, Today, today, now is the accepted time. I'm afraid there are some people that say, one of these days, one of these days. And yet we've looked at a couple of passages, one in Ephesians and one in Colossians, which use the expression, redeeming the time. What do you have to show for those days, those hours, those months, those years. Hmm. You just X out another day on the calendar. You just say, well, that's just another year. Well, win, lose, or draw, you ain't getting back. I'm not, you're not. We must appreciate the fact that time is a precious commodity. You can have a whole bunch of stuff to the point where you say, well, I, I'd be greedy if I wanted any more. But you can't get any more time. You work in a job at a band where a woman might pay you for your time, but once it's gone, it's gone. Inmates have an expression. They talk about doing time. Well, there's a sense in which we should be reminded that it's not a thing to be, to be wasted. Men are commanded in Scripture to repent. Have you noticed that? And how many times? Look with me, please, in Acts chapter 2. And Lord willing, we, we have a baptism coming up. And some people just want to run to this for baptism. But when Peter preached, it got folks' attention. And they came to Peter and the rest of the apostles. And they had a burning question. Man, brethren, what shall we do? You'll notice Peter didn't say, think about it. He didn't say, chew on that a while. When we get around to it, we might address 
some of those things that we talked about. Peter said, right here, right now, you need to repent. There needs to be a changing of the mind, a changing of the heart. There must be a turning away from wickedness into righteousness. For you see, men can't regenerate themselves, but men can hear the word. Men are commanded everywhere to repent. So my word for you, Peter said, and my word for you, I'm telling you, if you wonder, what can I do? Oh, it is important that we declare our confidence. Baptism is our first act of obedience once we have been saved. Some people, they might be baptized that very day. Some, it may come down the road a ways. But you want to make it official. You want to honor that. But a baptism without a change of heart, without a change of mind, is just getting you wet. Hope you know that. So Peter says, repent <coughs> and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And some people put an awful lot of emphasis on that for. As if that's what remits your sins. I told you about the inmates. One looks at others, what are you in here for? I'm in here for stealing. Doesn't mean the state put them in there so they could pick somebody's pocket. They're in there because of. Has Christ saved you? If the Lord has shown himself strong to you, shown himself as a savior, you've called upon him and you've asked him to be that one. You've expressed all your faith and confidence in him. Well, he does the saving. Did you know that? It's the Lord who saves His people from their sins. But what ought the Lord's people to do? They ought to obey. Uh, somebody put something there about obedience in the bulletin. And that's a good thing. We have a song we sing, Trust and Obey. Some folks don't seem to trust very much. And they don't seem to obey very much either. If you're a child of God, you should be baptized. If you haven't been yet, I think between Brother Kenny and I, we can work that out. We can make that. And by the way, I want to thank Brother Kenny. Because he not only saw to it that the tank was filled, but it's warm. Because I, 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 I'm used to warmer water. If I can, I, I don't take too many cold showers. And I wouldn't, I would rather not take a, a cold dip. And, uh, I assured Brother Caleb that uh, it won't be, we won't be going for a swim, but we will have some warm water. But the important thing is that we're indicating this great work of the Lord. 
you're baptized for the remission of sins. This is why I'm doing this. Because my sins have been taken care of. The Lord has saved me. And so, Peter, of course, made that clear in that passage. And, of course, John preached the same way. The one who baptized Jesus preached repent. Right here. Right now. This now sense comes across. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. A friend of mine was talking to somebody who takes a different position on baptism. As I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. This comes through loud and clear. If you think God is somebody you can just put off, I'll just throw him a bone. One of these days, yeah, you get me out of this jam, God, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn over a new leaf sooner or later, and you'll promise the Lord the world He'll get you out of some tights. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Sometimes people have a way of saying, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Sometimes we wait. And then someone says, I guess it's too late. Because at your funeral, the important thing will not be how much money did they leave behind? How big a house did they live in? How much of this and how much of that? No. What was his or her relationship to the Lord? Sometimes it gets real quiet when you ask that question. Especially among friends and family. But it needs to be addressed. I'd rather address it now. I'd rather ask you right here, right now. What is your relationship to the Lord? That's an important thing for us to see. I mentioned the fact that a friend of mine was talking to a fellow who uh, takes a completely different tack. They take that Acts 2.38 to say, to be baptized for the remission of sins. They take that to mean, you're not really saved until you go down and up in that water. As if the water has some grace in it. As if there's some efficacious opportunity for you that somehow the water saves you. Well, it does in a symbolic sense. It should register in your mind that I have decided to follow Jesus. And I've gone public with that. Now you could sneak off in some closet and somebody put a teaspoon of water on the top of your head. Don't tell anybody. But John did it in the open. Others did it out in the open. I, I was watching a film not long ago in which in Jesus' day the apostles supposedly 
took people into a body of water and they only got about knee deep and put some water on there. But then the last baptism in the whole movie, they actually took them into the water and dumped them all the way down. And I guess they finally read what it says in the scripture. But as I said, my friend was talking to this other person. And the other said, I'll tell you what, it says how important baptism is. Well, it is, but it's not the Savior. We don't serve a water God. And he asked this fellow, listen, bottom line, suppose on our way home, you come across a fellow and he's in a bad wreck. He's trapped under that car. He's bleeding out. They can't get him out. They can't get to him to even give him a transfusion. He's going to be dead. And he cries out, What can I do? Now, somebody of your stripe might come along and see the dilemma. What news do you have? What encouragement? What hope could you provide? What could you say? I'll tell you what. If I come across a person in that situation, I would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I shall be saved. J.C. Settlemeyer said, let me tell you what. When somebody asked me that question, it's a good Bible question. And I have a good Bible answer. For you see, when those words were first spoken in a prison, in a place called Philippi, there was an earthquake. And the jailer, he's thinking, oh no, earthquake. And he didn't think, what about the four prisoners? They might have got hurt. No, he's thinking, those prisoners, they might have up and escaped. And in the Roman world, if you let a prisoner escape, Guess what? It usually meant it's curtains for you. And so I believe he, he reached for his sword already. And he's getting ready to do himself in. And Paul and Silas, they've been singing praises to God in the middle of the night. How do you use your time in the middle of the night? This is the God who gives us songs in the night. The psalmist says. And Paul says, Do thyself no harm. We're still here. The man came to them. And he said, What must I do to be saved? They said, Well, if there's a baptistry around here, I guess we could take care of that. No, I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You see, when you go beyond what the Scriptures say about a lot of people on a lot of subjects, say, well, here's what I think. Well, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Sometimes I just want to say, can you give me a Scripture for that? I can tell you. If you were to come to me and say, preacher, 
Oh, I need to be saved. Well, you know, it takes a while to warm up the water. Or i got to do this. Let me go put my beads on. Or let me get my little book. Or, no. I'll tell you what. You call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. If it's about your soul, I don't mind. I don't want to talk about the Razorback game at 2 o'clock in the morning. But you call me about something important. <coughs> you call, talk to me about your soul. I'll tell you right now what I hope I'd be in my sound mind to say. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there anything else, preacher? I think that's enough. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When Philip was asked by the Ethiopian, they said, here's, a, here's, here's some water. What keeps me from being baptized? As well, so I got a checklist here. That's did you did you quit doing this meanness? Did you did you start doing this? Maybe you qualify. Let me run you down the list. Now, no, he said, if thou believest, thou may. Historically, Baptists have always been people who said there are two questions. If you want to. Be in our fellowship if you want to rejoice with us and be a part of us. We're going to ask you about the way of salvation. And then after that, the way of baptism. If you say, I trust Christ, free pardon my sin. That's it. There's nothing magic about those words. You have to use those exact words. But you need to Give a credible profession of faith. Now, if you were to say, but I haven't been baptized, I said, well, we're Baptists. We can take care of that. The Lord has provided so that such can happen. In Acts 24, Paul was preaching to a big shot. His name was Felix. When I was a little kid, I'd see his cartoon of Felix the Cat. And I thought, Felix, what a funny name. And then I read the Bible, it's a guy named Felix, long before there was a cat by that name. In uh, the 24th of Acts, the last three verses, Felix was the big shot. And Paul was there. And Felix and his wife, it says in 24, that they had sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. What is this Jesus you talk about? And what do you do? And, and why is it so important? And why have you spent your, your life and, and suffering all that you have? Why? What's the big deal? Paul didn't say, whoa, no. He had something to say. And as he, this is verse 25, as he reason of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Folks, you might think, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm young, I've got everything going for me. No matter your age, you need the Lord. Amen. No matter how much money you got in the bank, you need the Lord. No matter how many friends you have in this world, you need the Lord. Amen. Judgment is coming. 
And you know what Felix did? Probably sitting there on his throne. It says he trembled. And I believe there are a lot of folks who have been in a church service and the preacher raised his voice and he banged on the pulpit and he made it very clear. You better hear this, folks. You better repent. And during the services, they're paralyzed. They don't know where to go, what to do, what to say. But when the final hymn is sung, and amen to the final prayer is spoken, everybody smiles, says goodbye, and they file out those doors. Glad that's over. And in effect, in one ear and out the other. See, you can go to church and you can continue to go to church and even encourage other people to go to church. But being in this building does not save you. Having your name on the roll does not save you. It's your personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you enjoy because the Lord has saved you. Amen. You have a desire if you've been born again to be among the people of God. You have a desire if you've been born again to read His Word. That's how God speaks to us. And to pray. That's how we talk to Him. If you could care less, if you become uncomfortable, a certain child in our presence hadn't been too used to praying. And when we would bow at the table, that child would just wail, wail, wail. And I don't know that it was depravity or just something else, but there are people who aren't too happy about talking to God. So here's Paul, and as he preached to this couple, this royal couple, Felix and Drusilla, Felix trembled. And it's, it's, it is a something. So he said, go thy way for this time. Right here, right now. Um, we'll talk about it again. And it's interesting, he said, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Don't call us. We'll call you. I've talked to people about spiritual things and sometimes they say, I have another question. Well, I hope I have that answer for you. From the Word of God. But some people, i got somewhere to go. i got something to do. i got people to see. Anything but this is what they're thinking. It goes on about Felix. It tells us what was going on in the little mind of his. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might lose him. I thought Paul was going to try to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. You know, line my pockets. You give me this and then I'll do that and uh, you'll be gone. And we just kind of schmooze through this thing. But Paul wasn't there to think about his own skin to think about his own convenience. 
He was there to talk, make it very clear. This is the same Paul who later told Agrippa, when Agrippa said, <laughs> you're almost making me a Christian. <laughs> and Paul says, I would that you were altogether like as I am, except for these bonds. I wouldn't wish these chains on you, but I would wish that you would know the Lord in the free part of your sin, as I do. There is a joy if you're a child of God. Amen. That's one reason why we ought to smile. We ought to sing about the joy of the Lord. Because that's our strength. The Scriptures make that clear. It says, Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. That word wherefore means why. That's why Felix kept bringing Paul. Now, Paul, don't you have something else to say? Don't you have something else to say? And Paul was one of these narrow-minded, one-track preachers. He preached Christ. That's what I'm supposed to do. Mr. Spurgeon said, people say that my sermons are all the same. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Whatever my text is, I know I need to make a beeline for the cross. If I can point them to Christ, that is my call. As an evangelist is to tell people not, well, the weather today is going to be, or the stock exchange is doing such. No. Spiritual things. And most importantly, to point us to Christ. To think of His person and His work. And Felix thought, you know, get off that Jesus kick. If you want to talk about something else, you know, Paul would... What would you do with a gazillion dollars or whatever? Now, well, this went on for two years. For two years. After two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room. In other words, it was time to rotate Felix out, and in comes Festus. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. In two years, he had the ears of God's man. He would call him in. Paul, what's going on in there? The Lord's on his throne. The Lord is the Savior. Christ died for sinners. He presented the gospel again and again and again. Well, We'll talk again down the road. And that is more than just an inconvenience. That is a tragedy. And folks, you may have sat under the preaching of the Word and you thought, well, if I go back next week, I'll probably hear the same thing. Probably will if this preacher's preaching. Somewhere along the same line. If you're a child of God, it should never boring. It should never go dull with you. It's an important thing. And sometimes that's the way we, we suppose. Solomon was a very wise man. And after the Proverbs, we have the book of Ecclesiastes. I would ask you to turn to the ninth of Ecclesiastes.
it's interesting. Solomon takes the title of the preacher in this book. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 12. For man also knoweth not his time. Where will you die? Oh, preacher, come on. Let's not talk about that. You don't think it's going to happen? Oh, no. My dear mother used to say, Oh, Stephen, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the overtaker. And I said, Well, Mom, it might work out that way. But I don't know that any of us have a guarantee. Well, that, that's what my hope is. is. Your hope is Christ. Christ is our hope. He's other things too, but He's our hope. Your hope is not, well, maybe they'll come up with a cure for this disease I've got. Or maybe somebody else will, will do this or do that. No. Your hope is Christ. Amen. And my dear mother, she was saved before I was born and all of my life that she lived, she would say that again and again and again. Well, 2018, the Lord called her home. And we've had to say goodbye to a lot of folks. Brother Glenn, did you say that this lady probably not going to live out the day? But the joy is, she's a child of God. Amen. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And if you're not a saint, like the man said, you're an eight. Man also knoweth not his time. As the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. A lot of times you'll read about somebody and it says, you know, man, it is coming. He or she, they, they, they seem to have all kinds of years ahead of them. They have all kinds of plans and purposes. And then, bang! Some of y'all remember Brother Earl Smith. He came into the living room one Monday morning. He saw the family. Hadn't eaten a word, uh, bite of breakfast. And he said, I love you all. And they dropped in. I was expecting a call from him that morning. When I finally got through, the granddaughter-in-law answered the phone. Just, Who is it? This is Dave Rains. I'm trying to reach brother Earl Smith. Well, Papa died this morning. That is going to be true unless the Lord comes first. That's going to be true for you. That's going to be true for me someday. Shy of the, the Lord's return. And some people don't really take that too, too seriously. Christ, of course, made that clear. In the 13th of Luke, He said, Do you think that these folks that got clobbered when that tower fell down, God switched them because they were bad, but you're good? Don't think that. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or do you remember that time 
when these folks said, I'm going to run in the temple and try to be saved there. And the guards came in and their blood was mixed with the sacrifice. You think that was because they were bad and you're good? Because that's what people think sometimes. Well, that wouldn't happen to me. Don't you kid yourself. Suddenly, cut off. Scripture gives the indication. In the two passages we looked at, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 4, it says, redeeming the time. That's an important thing. And if you'll take a look, first of all, at that Ephesians text. Paul makes that very clear, doesn't he? In verse 16, he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, let's read the next few verses as well. Whereunto be ye not unwise. Think about this, folks. This is for real. Don't just in one ear and out the other. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Because what will happen with you? You know, we're, we're studying James in the Sunday school class. And uh, I love the book of James. It's a very practical book. <coughs> in chapter 4, you know, James says, don't say this. Say this. Some of you like this guy. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this place. And I'm going to be there a year. And I'm going to buy and sell. I'm going to get rich. And that's the way it's going to be. And James says, don't say that. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this or that. You don't know what you're going to do. Well, you preacher, I know what I'm going to do. Well, a lot of folks have talked that way. And then uh, maybe a flat tire. Maybe a blown pipe somewhere. Not just pipes in your house. you got pipes in your body too. And something, I think the technical term is something can go perfluid and then you've got a problem. Be not drunk with wine where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's what should influence you. Not the spirits out of a bottle, but the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves. How is we talk to each other? In Psalms. Psalms are very potent. They speak to us. Even today, just like Paul told the Ephesians. In Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hmm. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's a tall order, isn't it? And let's look real quickly at our passage in Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Now, we talk about verse 5. The second part of the verse is redeeming the time. But look at the first part of 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without. You don't want to be 
cause of stumbling to somebody else. We're to be, as Paul says, circumspect. Yes, you stand before God, but you also stand before a multitude of people. How does your witness say something about the Lord and your relationship to Him? And then look at verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That doesn't mean you're supposed to have a salty tongue. See if you can get a bunch of wordy dirts in there. No. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. If your response is, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what's most important to you? I don't know. Not a good answer. Not a good reply. Peter said something about that that I like to quote, and I think you know what we're talking about. Be ready to give an answer to every man the hope that lieth within you. Do it with meekness and fear, but, but do it nonetheless. It's critical that we exploit our opportunities. Yeah, I believe in exploitation. Exploit the opportunities. Paul told the Galatians, as you have opportunity do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. Amen. When it comes to eternity, I don't think my stamp collection is going to make it. And there are other things that we have in life that we might put a lot of stock in. I want to close with a thought that's recorded in the fourth chapter of Esther. Some people don't go to the book of Esther too much, but part of our Bible is like the other 65 books. Esther said, Uncle Mordecai, it's kind of ragged around it. It's kind of rough to be a Jew. What should I do? Well, you are in a unique position, little niece Esther. You could keep your mouth shut. You could crawl under a rock. You could say, let somebody else do it. But he tells her, how do you know that you didn't come into life in this place, in this time, for such a time as this? <clears throat> what are you doing in 2023? God knows. If you weren't supposed to be here in 2023, you wouldn't be here. What should occupy your mind? What should thrill your heart? What should be your joy and your rejoicing? Only you can answer that question. God's Word tells us time after time how the Lord is to be first in our lives. I love Marsha Harris. But I love the Lord more. Amen. And she'd say the same thing about me. That's the way it ought to be. Doesn't mean I think little of her, but I think the greatest, the most, about the Lord. You can have family, you can have friends, you can have neighbors, you can have other people that you can respect and admire appreciate and encourage, that's all well and good. But never forget that the horizontal never comes close to matching the vertical. Just as we talked about sin. 
in our study this morning. David realized he'd sinned against Uriah. He'd sinned against Bathsheba. He'd set a lousy example to all the servants around. And yet he said, Unto thee and thee only have I sinned. Compared to anyone and everything else, my sin is first and foremost against God. It's your relationship to God. Not to mama or papa. Not to brothers and sisters. Not to husband or wife. But it's to the Lord. And we've been talking about time. Today. Today. What will you do today with Christ? What say you about? We have a song. Here? 